The music group R.E.M. sings, It's the end of the world as we know it. Christians don't have a monopoly on end times, on TV shows and movies and even in music. End times and times after end times are popular. It's scary, it's unknown, it's concerning, it's full of turmoil. And that message from a group that was given the revelation. Seriously, we, we have been blessed with the revelation of John. And it should be a reassurance, and we should reassure others. But the devil has made sure that fear tinges, or rather paints, our lives and our future. Instead of just talking about the trials and tribulations of the end times like the devil would have us do, our message should showcase the grace of Christ that keeps us and also showcase His mercy that can lead us through the valley of death. Because throughout Scripture, God has always told those who believe to not fear. Yes, it is the end of the world, but as for me and my house, we feel fine. Thank you very much. I'm Michael Mueller, and this is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome back to a not-so-scary but hope-filled message that we have today. And I want to introduce to you some guests that we have on our panel. And as you introduce yourselves, tell us a moment in your life that you thought this was a kind of a near-death experience. My name is Autumn Osterman, and I can think of a time that I was actually driving with my mom, and it was in the dead of winter, and we hit black ice, and we spun out, and we crossed over into the median into oncoming traffic, and the traffic had been really heavy that day. And, but just as we crossed over, there was no traffic at all. And we stopped back in the median, and a police officer came later and said that they had actually stopped traffic on the oncoming side because of an accident ahead. And I was just like, I think that was God. Not that I was glad someone got in an accident, but He protected us because we would have been right there in the midst of oncoming traffic. That is a scary moment indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't remember a time where I had a near-death experience. I'm very thankful for that. I think the closest thing has been um, recently, Kevin and I were um, riding a tandem bike and we were going down a hill and we were starting at the top of the hill and going down and he decided to do a running jump start and did not end so well. <laughs> That's the closest. <laughs> you have a very peaceful life. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm, I'm glad nice. to hear that. <laughs> yep. My name is Kevin Moreno and I also have had a near-death experience. I used to work graveyard and I was tired one morning getting off of work and as I was going up over an overpass I just fell asleep at the wheel. And I felt that I just started drifting over onto oncoming traffic and close to the, to, the met, uh, to the cement barricade. And I was just about to go over and go down onto the highway. But thank God that he woke me up and he told me, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and so I realized and I looked and I saw that I was on the opposite side. And I just got back into my lane and just sped home. So. Thank God. Yeah, that's that. It, those are moments where you get a, a really afraid. That the closest I've I, I mean, I've had a dozen of these experiences, starting as a toddler, 
Um, the most recent was on a bike as well. A mm -hmm. car came dangerously close to me. Uh, you're supposed to give about three feet of distance to the cyclist. I was on the, on the side of the road as close as I could hug the curb and uh, he left me a couple inches. And the, the draft always kind of pulls you into the, the car. And uh, I thought after the truck had passed, that was it. But no, there was a trailer. And uh, the 19 guys riding behind me, they already saw me underneath that car. Um, and uh, those are moments that are incredibly scary. And yet there's also the protection of God that we can look back on. And that's what our lesson is going to be about in a bigger realm, not just our personal lives, but that as well. As we begin, Kevin, would you read a Bible verse to get us started and pray with us? Yes. I'm reading from Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. It says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. By your heads as we pray. Padre eterno que estás en los cielos, Señor, te damos gracias por este día. Te damos gracias por cuidarnos y por protegernos. Te pido, Señor, que tú nos ayudes a abrir la mente a tus escrituras. Podamos aprender algo, Señor, que no habíamos visto antes y que tú nos guíes mientras abrimos, abrimos tu palabra. Todo te pido en nombre de Jesús. Amén. My grandparents have said over and over again, the world is coming to an end. Do you agree or do you disagree with that? I agree that the world is coming to an end. Um, you see it all around us uh, with the way our economy is declining, with the morality of the world, with the increase of divorce rates, where families are falling apart. You can see it. And just the craziness of the weather, it just it's all calling for something has to end. Something is going to happen. Mm -hmm. I see it too in, in relation to what Matthew 24, 12 says, that the love of many is growing cold. And we see an increase in hate crimes. We see an increase in, in people just doing incredibly malicious things and just going into a movie theater and, and slaughtering people. And you think, where did this come from? How, how is our world in the shape and it just doesn't seem like it's going to last that long. It seems like at times in the past if people wanted to die they would commit suicide which is a very tragic thing but it seems in recent times besides taking yourself out of the picture you're also taking others along with you and yeah. that's even even worse um, in that story so yes we have some of that. I, I don't know I sometimes I mean I'm, I'm sometimes walking um, and I, I just look at people, and I just see that they're almost waiting for something else to happen. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like they're not satisfied with where they're at. They mm -hmm. find happiness in different things, but I, I don't know. I guess for me, I just, I just look at people, and I just think, man, like, like they are really sincerely sad, or there's something that they're looking forward to. Well, it's amazing because this is the time in Earth's history where people would say, we're the wealthiest. It's fairly peaceful if we're in Western countries. Uh, outside of that, maybe not so much. That's surprising. We have all this technology that's supposed to make life easier and happier, and yet we're still longing for something. Mm -hmm. I, for myself, I, I also see that a bit in, in global warming, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Weather patterns shifting, partly induced by how we live our lives. 
And that is something that has never been there before. Uh, we've kind of battled each other throughout Earth's as long as humans have existed. We've killed each other, starting with with uh, Adam, uh, with the, the sons of Adam. Um, but this global warming is something that's kind of new, um, where the time is ticking. So, um, so what do we learn from the Bible about this time? What, what, how does Jesus stand to in, in relation to this, especially we, we, what we know from Hebrews and, and other passages? Well, looking at Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1, I, I love how this starts off because we've been asking, you know, with the, with the end of the world or with Jesus coming, where, where do we see hope? And mm -hmm. I think Hebrews gives us that hope. Because in verse mm -hmm. 1 of chapter 8, it says, now this is the main point of these things we are saying. So it's almost the author is saying, don't miss this. Like, catch mm -hmm. this. This is the main point. We have such a high priest. And when you look at that word, such a high priest, it, it goes back to the end of what he's saying in chapter 7, that he's giving this description of this, this glorious priest that is sticking up for his people. And in verse 25, it says he's making intercession for them. And it's saying we have that same type of high priest in heaven who is ministering for us. And I think with, with that concept that I have someone in heaven who's interceding before me, there is nothing to be afraid of because mm -hmm. I have someone who's sticking out for me. And, and that thought of and the whole idea of, of this atonement, because we talk about the day of atonement coming up for, for us at the end time, and, and that concept is one where we, we don't have anything to be afraid of because either, either our sins are blotted out or our name is blotted out. You kind of have these, these two countering ideas mm -hmm. in, in Leviticus. But if we have put our sins into the sanctuary by confessing them and going back to the verse that you read there, Kevin, as our starting verse in Acts chapter 3, that if we confess them, it's not our name that's blotted out. It's our sins that are blotted out. And mm -hmm. I think that is just such a beautiful idea that I can stand before God and face these, these uh, terrible and scary things in, in some senses, but I can stand with confidence because my sins have been blotted out before God, not my name. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there's an amazing thing about that because a lot of people would say, well, where is your Jesus now? What's he doing? Uh, he's just sitting in heaven and he's enjoying a, a beautiful life and, and we're mm -hmm. still on this miserable planet. Um, and that's not the case. It mm -hmm. is Jesus mm -hmm. is doing something for our behalf. And, mm -hmm. and that's, a, that's a wonderful story. Mm -hmm. Going to that idea, I actually, this before you were going to say that, mm -hmm. uh, in Leviticus chapter 16, actually in talking about the Day of Atonement, uh, this is verse 30. It says, for on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. So sometimes we wonder, what is God doing up there? I'm living on this earth with all of these things that are happening. Is God doing anything right now? Mm -hmm. And it says that he is actually cleansing me so that I can stand before him without being consumed. And so we need to have patience because God is doing something up there and he's trying to work on us to get us clean. We want them up there so, working yeah, for Please God, stay up there just a little longer. Make me clean so that when you come, I'm ready. That's the whole concept of it. Absolutely. It's, it's an amazing concept. So the, the question that, that I have been asking myself at times is, mm -hmm. Abraham sacrificed, Adam sacrificed, 
generations sacrificed on a simple altar with no mm -hmm. complicated system mm -hmm. of hierarchy of sacrifices and then we get suddenly to the Israelites leaving Egypt and there's this complicated process of this is how it's supposed to look like this is how it's supposed mm -hmm. to be built and this is the measurements and, and all these details what is the purpose in that I'm actually very grateful for the details because it not it didn't so much make things complicated but it allowed us to see how God's plan of salvation works. It doesn't make things more complicated. It shows us, it reveals to us what Jesus is doing for us. When we look at the sanctuary or when we wonder, I wonder what Jesus is doing for us and he says that he's our high priest, we have something to refer back to and say, oh, the high priest in the temple did this. This is what Jesus is doing for us. And it doesn't make things more complicated. It actually makes things more simple and more easy for us to understand. Mm -hmm. I think that, like you were saying, you know, perhaps maybe God necessarily wasn't communing with Abraham or, or Adam when they were sacrificing, but I think it goes much deeper than just that. God communed with those people, and, and we see that as we read through the scriptures, but I think, I think of it as just a baby. You're not going to give a baby big words because they can't understand it. Or maybe perhaps the revelation of God at that time was just for that time, for right at that specific moment. Mm. But as the people of Israel grew, he wanted to come and commune with them. And not only that, but he wanted to show them exactly what was going on in heaven. Because it says that God told Moses, hey, I want you to make me a sanctuary out of this pattern. Mm. There's something else that I have to show you. And so I, I think that it's not so much like, like Amy was saying, it's not to complicate, but it's to give instruction like, wow, like an aha moment, I guess. Yeah. Wow, like this is interesting. It's, it's a bit of a, of a metaphor, an acted out mm -hmm. parable or an mm -hmm. acted out metaphor that you use to describe a complicated process, mm -hmm. but you're actually trying to make it simple by actually putting it into tangible things that we can relate to. And suddenly we can relate to certain aspects, Amy, just like, like you said. And it also deals with this issue with Abraham and Adam. They dealt with the sin, their personal sin. They offered a sacrifice and their personal sin was atoned. Now God wants to show them a bigger picture. Not only what happens to our individual issue, mm -hmm. but what happens to the issue itself. Mm -hmm. uh, it's much like the financial crisis uh, that we had a couple of years ago. Uh, bankers misused their power and you have to deal with them individually. But there was a system flaw that needs to be dealt with on a bigger issue. And that gets really complicated, nitty-gritty details of law that I don't understand. <laughs> but God tries to make that complex. How do you deal with sin? Mm -hmm. And that's the amazing thing. At the end of it, the important point is the resurrection. What, what does the Bible tell us about this resurrection idea and what can we learn from that? I think it's a, um, something that we can definitely look forward to. We know from Scripture um, I'm thinking specifically of 1 Thessalonians 4, where it talks about how there's going to be a trumpet. It's something we all are going to be aware that it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's not going to take us by surprise. And when He comes, um, the dead in Christ are going to be ri rise up first, and they are going to experience the joy of meeting people that have um, died before them. And, and the people who are alive are going to have the experience of seeing their their, their grandmother being raised up that they haven't seen for a while. I know I'm going to be looking forward to seeing my grandma. Mm -hmm. And um, they're going to rise up and meet Jesus as He's coming down to get us. 
and then those who are alive in Christ will then join them up, um, with Jesus. And I think the beauty of what Amy is describing there is that if Christ has not raised from the dead, there would be no assurance <laughs> for us. But because he did, I can have the assurance that if I do die, I don't have to stay in the grave. Mm -hmm. And I was reading one of the, the texts this morning that's coming from our lesson, and that is in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And it says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's an awesome promise that... If the Spirit can raise Christ, the Spirit can raise us. But it almost gives a condition in this verse, and it says the Spirit has to dwell in our hearts first. Mm -hmm. So if the Spirit is dwelling in our hearts, we can have the assurance that death is not the end, mm -hmm. but we can experience a life, a resurrection with God in heaven for eternity. Mm -hmm. And that's an awesome thought. It's what God does for us that should motivate us rather than the fear of those our, our own near-death experiences, so to speak. Exactly. It's an amazing promise that, that Jesus gives, and he starts off in, in, in John chapter 14, right? Um, I'm going, but I will come back. And it's interesting, in, in, in Greek, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to jump into that <laughs> for just a second here. Uh, the Greek actually has a present tense there. I mm. come back, mm. not a future tense that we would expect, and we translate it as, I will come back. And that's that idea that it, something is so certain that I don't even relate to a future in a future because that's always uncertain. No, you relate to it in a present tense. This is such a promise that we can hold on to. Jesus is coming back, that he already relates it as if it's happening right now. Mm -hmm. uh, that certainty to it, and that's an amazing thing. And I, I, now, uh, just another thought sparked in my head that Jesus gave up everything to be with us or to, to restore us back to where we were originally created. But the fact that he's coming back he says, you know what, I'm so eager to come and commune with you and for you to become my family that I can't wait in heaven anymore. We can come up to him, that, that God can do that, right? But how much more he wants to say, no, I can't wait any longer to be with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's with us now, but to see him face to face, mm -hmm. I can only imagine like how, how that, that day will be. And, you know, Mercy Me says, says it, I can only imagine when I see him. Mm. It, and I think that that's extremely, extremely powerful. Yeah. Thank you for tying us into music again, <laughs> since we started off with music. Um, I think it's an amazing thing, too, that the first book that was written in the New Testament was most likely First Thessalonians, uh, where the theme of, of the resurrection is the predominant theme. Here, have this hope. Resurrection will happen to all of us. And Paul talks about the resurrection of Jesus, but it's not just the resurrection of Jesus. That's the, the guarantee. Mm -hmm. If Jesus can be raised, then we can be raised too. And the last book of the Bible that was written is Revelation. And the big theme is not the scary beast predominantly. Mm -hmm. It's let me give you some details about how this whole resurrection thing is going to happen and what mm -hmm. I have in store for you after that. And that's that amazing promise that, uh, that is on the, on the edges mm -hmm. of the writing of the New Testament, um, these promises. So how can we live our life in, in this light with the idea of, well, the earth is coming to an end, a very scary thing and a very hopeful thing. How can we balance our life with these? I, I think that, at least for me, I mean, I, I watch the headlines and I, and I read the newspaper and I hear from 
my classmates, hey, you know, something like this is going on. Um, and that can be sometimes overwhelming for me to be able to even imagine, like, wow, like, all this stuff's going on, like, what's going on? But I just need to make sure that my relationship with God is, is straight and solid, mm -hmm. and I can rest assured that regardless of what's going on, He's there for me. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's a matter of faith. We're mm -hmm. told in the Bible how the end will come, but all the other little nitty-gritty details as to what that pertains or what is going on, that's where sometimes I'm overwhelmed. So I need to make sure that I have a solid faith and a solid foundation in God and the trust that He will mm -hmm. see us through. And I think it goes back to the atonement as we we can trust Him and we can have faith that we don't have to be as scared because Jesus is pleading on our behalf. He is up in heaven and and saying, if you come to me, I will, I will blot out your sins. And so we don't have to live in fear because He has told us what's going to happen he, in the book of Revelation. He has told us that He is working on our behalf. We don't have to live in that fear. Mm -hmm. Yesterday for my devotions, I was reading in Second Peter chapter 3, and Second Peter chapter 3 is all about the topic that we're studying yes. right now, about <laughs> Jesus coming back. And there are several things in here that I just, I was, I was kind of blown away when I read it again because, you know, sometimes you read things and they just don't quite get it and then you read it again you're like, oh, I didn't see that before. And in verses 3 and 4 he's talking about don't be like these scoffers that are saying, where is the promise of his coming? And I remember as a kid growing up, it was, you know, my parents always like, Jesus is coming soon, Jesus is coming soon. I'm not a little kid anymore and Jesus hasn't come yet. Mm -hmm. But he's saying don't be a scoffer, don't say that he's not coming. And then he says why, because in verse 9, and I think this is such a powerful verse, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. His promise is that He is going to come. He's not slacking off, like He's still going to come. But then the verse says why He's stalling. And it says, Because He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that mm -hmm. all should come to repentance. So it's almost like Jesus is saying, like you were saying earlier, Kevin, God is saying, I want to go spend time with my people. I want to be with them but they need to be ready so that they're not, they're not lost. Mm -hmm. And if God is stalling because of me, that gives me almost a, a sense to say, man, I gotta get ready. Like mm -hmm. if Jesus is coming is being stalled because he wants me mm -hmm. to come to repentance, boy, let me get on the ball so that I can be ready for Jesus to come. I can relate to your experience a little bit because as a kid, uh, I figured out that the kitchen window was facing in the east. And uh, <laughs> so in the mornings I would run out as a, as a little kid, run out, see if, is there any cloud that I should be looking out for? And um, there wasn't, and there still hasn't been a cloud. Uh, um, and um, I don't run to the kitchen window anymore. It's facing south anyway, so uh, no sense in running to the kitchen window now. My, my idea as a child was, am I going to survive that? Am I going to survive the end of the time, the, the time of tribulation, and it's going to be awful and very scary? And I don't have that same impression anymore because it is about what Jesus does for us and, and how we relate to Him. And I, and I really like, Kevin, what you said. It's about a relationship. I find that the Bible gives us a lot of ideas, the big picture. There'll be some things that'll happen, but no details. Is it going to be a financial crisis that'll bring the end, a political, a religious, a economic? We've had all kinds of scenarios that have been introduced. And every time it's about fear, 
Mm. Be afraid of this next step. Be afraid of the credit card. Be afraid of, of the Russians. Be afraid of the, and we've had, be afraid of this, be afraid of that for many, many times. But in fact, it's about our relationship to Jesus and our trust that he will bring it about mm. and he will carry us through easy and difficult times. How does that affect how we live in practical terms every day? How do you, how do you live your life differently knowing that we are at the end of the time and yet Jesus is, is, is waiting for us to connect him? How would you do that in practical terms? How can we get ready? Um, I, again, I, I go back to, I mean, obviously my answer is accepting Jesus' gift of salvation. Um, because um, the second coming will come. And for those who don't know, it will catch them off guard. But if I have a continual relationship with him and, and accept that he came to save me, and He's coming to restore me and forgive my sins and blot out my sins. And I think that that, for me, is, is a thing that I, I, I can do actively. Accept mm -hmm, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. His coming. And it also makes me want to reach out to those who are scared of what's going to happen in the end. Because if I can walk around in peace and enjoy knowing that I don't have to be scared... I don't want my best friend and my friend next to me to be living in fear. I want them to be happy and joyous about what's going to happen in the future as well. And so it also has this element of repenting, but it also is going out and telling others that we don't have to be, to be scared. Mm -hmm. I like what Ellen White says in the book Christ's Object Lessons, page 69. She says, when God's character is perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim the man's his own. And I think with, it goes back to what you're saying, Kevin, with the relationship or, you know, I think of the verse, perfect love casts out fear. We don't have to be fearful because we love, we love God. And every day I think being ready is, do I have a character like Jesus? Have I put my sins into the sanctuary so that he can cleanse them? Because if so, then God covers us with his blood. We have nothing to be afraid of. And Jesus can actually be that one that sees us through these things that we go in the end. And then he'll come to claim us for his own. I really like that we pointed out these two elements because I think it's true. The personal, it should make me ready. But at the same time, I've met people that say, well, I'm getting ready. I'll move to the mountains and disappear from the face of the, the planet. And uh, I'll be ready. And I don't care about what happens Everyone to everybody else. else. Mm -hmm. um, I have the survival guide of how to survive the end times, the how-to. And yet it's not about that. Mm -hmm. It's about taking others along and being more engaged with people, not with scary facts, not with beasts and blood and, and gore. No, it's about sharing Jesus. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think, what the book of Revelation is about. It has the most references to Jesus. Mm -hmm. It is a Christological book, not a scary book. And I hope that we can see a bit of this in, in our discussion. We've pointed out some of the things, the hope that we have in what Jesus does for us. Thank you so much for being on the show Thank and you. for contributing to all of this. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Ike Mueller.
We'll see you next week.